Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 72, recorded here on July 9th, 2023. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please do your own homework. Well, <clears throat> we got a lot of stuff to go through this week. Uh, so we will jump right in. Um, first with the market update, stocks tumbled, stumbled through a choppy trading session to end lower Friday as investors digested the latest non-farm payrolls report following hotter than expected private hiring data the previous day. U.S. government reports showed the economy created 209,000 jobs in June, well below expectations and the smallest increase since the end of 2020. The data was taken by some as a sign that the Federal Reserve's interest rate hikes were finally starting to cool the labor market. But other details of the report, such as stronger-than-forecast wage gains, suggested the Fed may have reason to resume raising rates later this month. After the mixed data, equities may be ripe for a pullback following big gains in June and in the second quarter, which could lead to choppiness and consolidation heading into earnings season. Yields were mixed Friday. The longer end 10-year yield was up two basis points to 4.06%, while the more rate-sensitive two-year yield was down seven basis points to 4.94%. For the week, the Dow Jones dropped 1.9%, its largest weekly decline since March. The S&P 500 fell 1.2%, and the NASDAQ composite closed down 0.9%. Looking ahead, the latest update on inflation in the U.S. will drop on the lap of investors with June CPI report scheduled to be released on Wednesday. Economists forecast headline inflation to fall from 3% uh, to 3% from 4% in May and core inflation to be reported at 5% from 5.3% in May. A, a CPI surprise could reset expectations on the direction of the Federal Reserve. At publication time, traders were pricing in a 90% probability that the Federal Reserve will raise rates by 25 basis points at their meeting later July on the 25th and 26th. Earnings season kicks off with major banks, J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and Citigroup, some of the heavyweights stepping into the earnings confessional. The readout on what major banks say about deposit flows and loan growth is also anticipated to have an impact on regional bank stocks. Some analysts have warned that large banks' earnings have peaked as net interest income is likely to continue to decline. Credit costs are gradually normalizing and increasing, and expenses are pressured by inflation. EPS growth is also being hurt as banks position for likely regulatory changes by adding liquidity, increasing debt capital, and several holding back on share repurchases. Outside banking sector companies due to spill numbers include Delta Airlines, United Health Group, and PepsiCo. Looking at the earnings season as a whole, there have been 62 negative EPS pre-announcements issued by S&P 500 corporations compared to 39 positive 
which London Stock Exchange Group computes as an NP ratio of 1.6 for the S&P 500 index. This compares to a long-term average of 2.5 and prior four-year four-quarter average of 2.0. Jumping into Bitcoin news, uh, well, this isn't really directly Bitcoin news, but this is uh, 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 related. Uh, from Bitcoin.com, uh, this was uh, posted today. Articles entitled, Renowned Investor Jim Rogers Warns U.S. is Going to Suffer as Dollar's Value Erodes Further. Veteran investor Jim Rogers issued several warnings about the U.S. economy on Sputnik's New Rules podcast published last week. Rogers is George Soros's former business partner who co-founded the Quantum Fund and Soros Fund Management. The worst is yet to come, the renowned investor warned. It always comes later after normal fluctuations and corrections, Roger explained, Rogers explained. We have printed a lot of money. We have borrowed and spent a lot of money, which is wonderful for the short term. But eventually, we have to pay the, pay the price. He cautioned, inflation is going to get worse, the debt problems are going to get worse, and the U.S. is going to suffer. Drawing a comparison between the present circumstances and the 1980s, a period marked by significant inflation, he stressed, the inflation now is worse, noting that the U.S. is now the largest debtor nation in the history of the world. While stating that things are okay at the moment, Rogers noted that it won't last forever. Somebody has got to pay this debt. Somebody has to print more money. Somebody has to borrow more money. And when you borrow huge amounts of money, interest rates will go higher and higher. Inflation will go higher because so much money has been printed, he detailed, emphasizing the value of the U.S. dollar will lose more and more value as the U.S. prints more. It always happens this way. Using the British Empire as an example, Rogers highlighted that during the 1920s, Britain held the position as the wealthiest and most influential nation globally, surpassing all others. However, five decades later, the country found itself in a dire financial state to the extent that the International Monetary Fund had to intervene. That will happen to the U.S., Rogers predicted, clarifying that it won't happen this year, but it will happen. Last month, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen defended the dominance of the U.S. dollar, arguing that the U.S. dollar is used widely in trade because the U.S. has deep, liquid, open capital markets, rule of law, and long and deep financial instruments. However, she acknowledged in April that over time, the use of financial sanctions could undermine the hegemony of the dollar. She also said earlier this month that the ongoing trend of countries seeking to establish an alternative reserve currency to rival the U.S. dollar is something that we simply have to expect. Nonetheless, she emphasized that no country is able to replicate the U.S. dollar, including China. While concurring with Yellen, Rogers pointed out that the Treasury Secretary left out the fact that the U.S. is the largest debtor in history and the debt is skyrocketing and the money printing is skyrocketing. He cautioned, eventually, we have to pay the price. Every country in history has to pay the price. Yes, she will print huge amounts of money. She will borrow and spend huge amounts of money. And they will think they're okay for a while, just as they have for other countries in the past. But unless something has changed in world history and in world economics, this will not go on forever. 
Commenting on U.S. dollar alternatives, the famous investor said, I don't see anything on the horizon yet, adding, that may cause a big problem if and when things really go wrong with the U.S. and with the U.S. dollar. The world will have a serious financial crisis for a while anyway, unless we can bond something else. It is extremely important, especially when a crisis comes, that you have your money in a place that you yourself understand a lot about, he concluded. Rogers has repeatedly warned about the worst bear market in his lifetime, stating that investors should be worried. He said in May that the U.S. dollar's time is coming to an end as a growing number of nations worldwide seek to de-dollarize. Others have similarly sounded the alarm about inflation, the debt crisis, and the demise of the U.S. dollar, including economist Peter Schiff and Rich Dad Poor Dad author Robert Kiyosaki. Schiff said in June that the U.S. dollar decline will be far greater than what Yellen described, noting that Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell is clearly worried about a financial crisis. He also warned of a U.S. dollar crisis, predicting that national debt will spiral out of control. So <clears throat> all in, uh, very interesting takes and um, uh, I guess this is why we hold, uh, you know, hard money Hard money is better than soft money, soft money being dollars, dollar denominated, especially bonds. Um, hard money being Bitcoin, gold, silver, maybe real estate. Um, uh, you know, as insurance against this, uh, not really if, just when. And it could be 10 years from now, 20 years from now. That's the hard part. You know, everybody's been predicting this and everything just continues to muddle along. So um, I guess it just pays to be prepared. Hope for the best and prepare for the worst, right? Okay, moving on. Next article is from Coindesk. Uh, a little bit of hopium this week. Uh, July 7th is when this article was posted. Articles entitled BlackRock, CEO's Turnabout on Bitcoin Elicits Cheers and Skepticism of Crypto Cred. BlackRock CEO Larry Fink's change of heart on Bitcoin could make it easier for fellow Wall Street executives to embrace cryptocurrencies, but some experts warn that his favored financial instrument, the Exchange Traded Fund, or ETF, is an investment vehicle that's categorically different from the original ideals of digital assets and could push the industry in the wrong direction. The key distinction is that an ETF is simply a traditional investment vehicle, with Bitcoin as the asset but traded on a regulated stock exchange via regulated brokers. Such structures might be anathema to Bitcoin, designed and then launched in 2009 by a pseudonymous creator, partly as a backlash against the Wall Street excesses that fueled the global financial crisis a year earlier. As an internet-based peer-to-peer payments network that would be free from government control. So the reception from the crypto faithful might be mixed, even if Fink's newfound fondness might have helped to support the recent rally in Bitcoin's price, now up 82% year-to-date. Crypto is losing the plot, said Jim Bianco, president of Bianco Research. It is supposed to be about decentralization, permissionless, and self-sovereignty. Getting excited that it is going to become a more accessible poker chip is nice, and will help DGENs in the short term, but it will not help to fulfill the real promise of crypto. Which can't uh, can't disagree with them. 
Fink, who until this week was known to be a skeptic of crypto and at one point called Bitcoin, quote, an index of money laundering, said on Wednesday that it could revolutionize finance. However, rather than praising the core idea behind the newly built digital asset market, mainly decentralization, Fink said that the asset manager's main goal is to make it easier and cheaper to trade and invest in Bitcoin. Some industry experts worried whether BlackRock might be in it for the wrong reasons. Arguments have been made that ETFs, as well as Bitcoin exchanges, ignore what some believe is the single most important feature of Bitcoin, the ability to control their funds without the need to place trust in a third party to manage the asset, said Jim Iorio, managing director of TJM Institutional Services and a veteran futures and options trader. This flies in the face of Bitcoin's entire point of existence. Crypto was built on the idea that money shouldn't have to be tied to a third party or middlemen such as banks or even governments and is therefore immune to manipulation of any sort. When it comes to ETFs, the provider, in this case BlackRock, if it wins regulatory approval to launch the product, owns the underlying asset and sells shares of the fund to investors. It works in a way that crypto was built to change. So-called mainstream adoption will bring waves of new entrants to Bitcoin, and the risk is that they won't care and won't protect the decentralization properties that make it valuable over centralized alternatives in the first place. Alex Thorne, head of research at the digital asset financial firm Galaxy, wrote this week in a report. Nevertheless, when the leader of the biggest asset manager in the world openly admits that, contrary to his opinion a few years ago, he now sees Bitcoin as digitizing gold, it can't be also negative, at least for now. Validation from people like Fink could help with mass adoption, further ingraining Bitcoin in mainstream usage and public consciousness. Paul McCaffrey, managing director at boutique investment firm Keith Briette and Woods, or KBM, KBW said he believes Fink's embrace could pave the way for other Wall Street investors to express comfort with Bitcoin and allocate more money to the cryptocurrency. It's a game changer, he said. His commentary was not about this being a good economic decision for BlackRock, but rather about the promise of digital wealth. So here's my take on this. Um, hopefully this will be good for adoption. Uh, you know, Bitcoin is a neutral protocol, so it doesn't really care who uses it. It doesn't really care how you use it. Um, so if you want to, you know, hoard it in a centralized wallet uh, that's uh, been constructed with an investment vehicle around it um, by a centralized entity, um, Bitcoin doesn't care if you want to hold it yourself in your own uh, cold storage, um, it doesn't care. It doesn't care if you hold it in a multi-sig collaborative custodian, custodian setup. It doesn't care if you hold it in a multi-sig, uh, setup that you create yourself. It doesn't care if you hold it in a single sig. It doesn't care if you hold it on an exchange. Um, Bitcoin just doesn't care. So, you have to look at this from the standpoint of, I think, you know, it's a positive for adoption. Um, it will definitely pump the price eventually, probably a lot, uh, especially as we move into the halving next year. Um, but 
Wall Street is going to look at this as a trade. So, you know, once they've made 100% or 200% or 300% or whatever, you know, they're going to sell. And hodlers are just going to keep stacking and take advantage of uh, the price dips when they come. So um, there's there's also a conspiracy theory that, uh, you know, Bitcoin or that um, BlackRock may try to do a, a hard fork of the of the protocol and then say, this one's the real Bitcoin. We're going to choose this one. We want everybody, you know, if you want to, you know, keep your money in our our ETF, you're going to be on this one versus the old Bitcoin or the original Bitcoin. And we've already experienced that um, in the uh, block size wars and uh, the market has spoken. You know, Bitcoin is still here. The other the other coins are have um, faded away. So, uh, I mean, people are still trading them because there's money to be made in trading. But uh, Bitcoin is clearly the winner of that, and uh, that may happen again. So, I think you just have to look at it as it's good for for uh, adoption. It's it's uh, you know, and uh, take the good with the bad, but just realize that you know Bitcoin doesn't really care who uses it or how they use it, and it's up to you to um, you know, learn about it, understand it, and use it in the best way for you and your family and future generations. Okay, moving on to next article. This is all. This is from uh, Coin Telegraph. Um, this was just updated uh, today. Uh, articles entitled Robert F. Kennedy Jr. invested up to $250,000 in Bitcoin after Miami's conference. Guess somebody orange-pilled in there. Uh, Democratic presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy owns up to $250,000 in Bitcoin, in contrast to his previous claim that he was not an investor in the leading cryptocurrency. A record obtained by CNBC shows Kennedy Jr. owned between $100,001 and $250,000 worth of Bitcoin at the end of June. The investment was made after his speech at the Bitcoin 2023 conference in May when he announced that his campaign would be the first to accept Bitcoin donations in the United States. During the conference, the candidate also denied investing in Bitcoin. I'm not an investor and I'm not here to give investment advice, he stated. The financial disclosure filed on June 30th uh, does not specify when the cryptocurrency was purchased, only that it has returned less than $201 since the investment was made. The filing does not indicate who made the purchase in the Kennedy family, although the candidate's campaign acknowledged it was Kennedy Jr. Challenging President Joe Biden, Kennedy Jr. has targeted the crypto community in his campaign. In a Twitter post on May 3rd, he stated that cryptocurrencies led by Bitcoin, along with other crypto technologies, are a major innovation engine, adding that it was a mistake for the U.S. government to hobble the industry and drive innovation elsewhere. Among his wealthy backers is Twitter founder and Block CEO Jack Dorsey, who has recently thrown his weight behind the candidate. He can and will, wrote Dorsey on Twitter, about the candidate's strategy to defeat his opponents in the upcoming race. Kennedy Jr. is the son of former Attorney General and Senator Robert F. Kennedy, as well as the nephew of the 35th President of the United States, John F. Kennedy. His support comes at a crucial time for the American crypto industry, as the Securities and Exchange Commission is cracking down on crypto businesses in the absence of a proper regulatory framework for digital assets in the U.S., 
So, uh, you know, I don't agree with all of his politics. Um, and frankly, I don't get too excited about politicians, uh, whether they're Republicans or, or Democrats. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll always take uh, some support uh, for Bitcoin uh, when it's offered. And uh, it's good to see it, you know, becoming more of a conversation um, at the political level. Again, I look at it on a positive note that it's, it's about adoption. Um, but uh, eh, I don't really trust the politicians all that much. Okay, moving on to the next one here. This is also from Cointelegraph. I thought this was kind of an interesting story. Um, this was just updated today. Articles entitled Salvadoran Teenager Becomes Bitcoin Teacher, No Longer Earning $6 a Day. A Salvadoran teenager has shared his journey after completing El Salvador's Bitcoin diploma program, Mi Primer Bitcoin, My First Bitcoin. Now Gerardo Moran has returned to his former high school to educate the teachers about Bitcoin. In a series of tweets on July 8th, the 18-year-old revealed that Mi Primer Bitcoin, backed by El Salvador's Ministry of Education, allowed him to leave behind his life in construction, earning $6 a day. Moran revealed that he has been working since he was 11, mainly in construction and tourism, and could never wrap his head around how Salvadoran citizens worked so hard for so little reward. I've tried to reason why people in my country worked so much for so little money, Moran stated in, on Twitter, adding that he was working for not much money at all. Earning $6 a day doing construction wasn't feasible for me anymore, so I quit without knowing there was an opportunity ahead. Moran explained that his school put out a call for students interested in taking the Bitcoin diploma course, so he applied and quickly excelled in the course. Moran revealed that he is now, quote, leading Bitcoin education in his hometown, training and teaching the Bitcoin diploma to a group of eight senior professors at his former high school, Antonio J. Alfaro. Cointelegraph previously reported that Mi Primera Bitcoin has raised over one Bitcoin in donations from generous Bitcoin education advocates worldwide. From Poland to Canada, people worldwide sent Satoshis over the Lightning Network to support the growth of El Salvador's Bitcoin diploma program. In August 2022, El Salvador's Director of Education, Gilberto Mato, told Cointelegraph that the government is focusing on educating its citizens about Bitcoin, especially teenagers. If we could reach every 16-year-old or 17-year-old in the country, we will effectively teach the entire country in one year because that demographic is really strategic. They go home and they talk to their parents, their aunts, their uncles, their little brothers and sisters. So I thought this was exciting. Um, you know, it's good to see, um, you know, uh, that it's possible um, for folks in El Salvador to not only learn about Bitcoin, but be able to turn it into a career, um, which I think is the whole idea behind, you know, adopting Bitcoin as legal tender and trying to attract investment there um, is to really create, you know, a foundation of a, of a new industry uh, and create uh, more societal wealth for uh, folks there. So um, Bitcoin is hope. All right, next article is from, this is from Decrypt, which I haven't really looked at much. 
in the past, but uh, they had some pretty interesting stuff in there this week. This article was posted on July 4th, Independence Day. New Bitcoin standard BRC69 removes data limit for ordinals. Bitcoin ordinals continue to boom with the new token standard launched Monday. The BRC69 standard brings with it an innovative way to reduce the time and cost it currently takes to make an inscription. Known as Bitcoin's version of NFTs, which allow for non-financial data to be stored on the blockchain, ordinals previously had a 4 megabyte limit on what could be inscribed on Bitcoin. BR69 looks to bypass that limit through what's known as recursive inscriptions. Recursive inscriptions are a mechanism that allows users to extract data from existing inscriptions and use them to create new ones. According to the protocol's GitHub, the BRC69 token standard is a way of recycling data already inscribed and reducing the current cost by more than 90%. The brilliance of BRC69 lies in its simplicity, tweeted the team at Luminex, the launchpad announcing the new standard. Minters only need to inscribe a single line of text instead of a full image adding that this text allows the final image to be automatically rendered on all ordinals front ends using solely on-chain resources thanks to recursive inscriptions. Bitcoin's limited block space has long been a point of contention sparking debate when ordinals launched, which drew huge transaction fees and a bloated blockchain. According to self-proclaimed NFT historian and ordinals collector Leonidas, Recursives have massive implications. Since they allow users to elude the 4 megabyte limit, the sky is the limit, he, he tweeted. Bitcoin is essentially getting an internal internet where every file can request data from the other files on Bitcoin, he said. It's unclear yet exactly how people will use this, but it's undoubtedly an important moment in the history of Bitcoin. This is the latest in a series of exciting developments coming from the ordinal space. The most recent was Bitmaps, a protocol that offers a way for users to claim ownership over Bitcoin blocks, which has it in the top place for daily Bitcoin inscriptions. Hmm. Well, I'm going to have to say I run a node myself that uh, I'd be voting no on this. I don't think we should be increasing the block size at all. Um, maybe I don't know enough about it yet, but, uh, you know, I think... Uh, I, I don't really have a problem with ordinals and, and uh, you know, if it drives higher fees, that's, that's a use case. And, um, you know, it sucks if you're trying to move coins on, on chain when the fees are high, um, but there are other alternatives. You know, you can, you can use lightning network, you can use, you know, liquid or Fediment or some other off chain side chain um, protocol. But, uh, and of course, it's a free market. So, you know, supply and demand. But I don't think messing with the block size is a good idea, personally. Okay, next article is also from Decrypt. This was posted on June 29th. Uh, so it's a little bit old news, but I uh, thought it was worth talking about, um, especially as we have some other stuff that's kind of related to this uh, to cover. So, um, this article is entitled Bitcoin Friendly Damas will re remain on Apple App Store with core feature removed. Bitcoin Friendly social media app Damas has scored a partial win in its two-week battle to remain on tech giant Apple's App Store. 
Damus, a decentralized social media platform running on the Nostra protocol, was warned by Apple on June 13th that it faced expulsion from the App Store if it persisted in facilitating the acceptance of zaps, tips using Bitcoin's Lightning Network uh, on content posts circumventing Apple Pay. In order to comply with Apple's strict in-app purchase guidelines, Damus has been forced to make some concessions. While Damus users can still engage in Zap transactions at the profile level, allowing for peer-to-peer -peer transfers, the latest version of the app will no longer support Zaps on posts, as Apple considered this feature akin to selling digital content. We're, allowing, we're allowed to stay only after forcing me to remove a core feature of the app, Damus app founder William Kassarin told Decrypt. He tweeted that he will continue to hold build Damas on iOS as a vanilla Nostra client. Decrypt has reached out to Apple for comment and will update the story should they respond. Apple's original decision to remove the Damas app from the App Store sparked criticism from prominent figures within the Bitcoin community, including former Twitter CEO and Jack Dorsey, who invested $5 million in Damas' protocol development. Why doesn't Apple Pay support Bitcoin at Tim Cook? He tweeted earlier this week. Members of the Bitcoin community argued that Apple's stringent guidelines can constitute an obstacle to the widespread adoption of Bitcoin-friendly applications in the App Store. Apple maintains that all apps are subject to the same set of guidelines without any special treatment. Kassarin told Decrypt that his biggest concern is that other value-for-value value Bitcoin apps such as Fountain and Podcasting 2.0 are at risk for removal. I don't know how Fountain is allowed at all considering their whole app is content tipping with Bitcoin, Kassarin said. Now I'm back on, but the app is a lot worse than it was before. We still have censorship-resistant speech, I guess. Hopefully Apple doesn't ban that too. Uh, so I, I still use um, Damus and, uh, you know, so, you know, you, I guess you could have turned off the uh, app updates for all your apps automatic, and then you could have still had that version working, but then you don't get updates on your other apps. So it's uh, it's pretty frustrating. It's the walled garden of big tech. Um, you know, it's protecting their, their profits. Um, but, um, you know, I think Nostra is still a useful tool. I think you can still send... Uh, you can still click on the profile of the person that posted the post to send them uh, a lightning tip if you want to. Uh, you can still do that, I think, through the app. But you just can't send zaps for individual posts unless you're on, you know, the older version of uh, of uh, Damas or on some. I don't know about the Android version, uh, and I think there might be some, maybe a desktop version of Nostra that you can use as well. That's probably doesn't have those same issues, but uh, it's uh, certainly disappointing um, because you know that's uh, the whole value for value thing is is amazing, and it's it's uh, gets rid of these uh, intermediaries. It gets rid of the need to to you know make money through ads or shilling products you can just be supported directly for your work by people that appreciate it which you know i think is how things should be so we'll uh, continue to watch that one closely uh next up here this is from coin telegraph uh, this was posted on july 7th articles entitled google cloud furthers bitcoin lightning ambitions with voltage partnership 
Google Cloud is the latest company to show interest in Bitcoin, Lightning. The $225 billion cloud and data service uh, recently partnered with Voltage, an infrastructure provider specializing in the Bitcoin Lightning network. The partnership will allow one of the world's largest cloud computing providers to roll out Bitcoin-based services worldwide while assisting the expansion of Voltage's operations. Graham Krizik, CEO of Voltage, told Cointelegraph, Voltage is leveraging Google Cloud to go to service our customers more globally so we have larger customers that need nodes deployed in specific geographic regions like the UK or Asia. Conversely, Google can use Voltage's sort of their outsourced Bitcoin and Lightning team, he said. We service that business for them of actually, you know, helping companies that are interested in adding Bitcoin or Lightning into their services. The announcement received significant traction on social media and reflects Google's growing understanding and acceptance of Bitcoin and Lightning. But crucially, the implications of the partnership run deeper. Christopher Calicott, managing director of venture capital firm Trammell Venture Partners, told Cointelegraph, we had some people that were former Googlers and back channels saying that this is the kind of unexpected social media engagement that definitely gets people's attention at Google. Moreover, Google's open-minded approach to Lightning diametrically opposes that of its competitor, Apple. Apple delisted Damas, the Lightning-friendly decentralized social media protocol, from the App Store recently. Well, actually, they threatened to do it, and then they ended up letting them stay because they got rid of Zaps. Demonstrating an aversion to Lightning, Calicott explained that the tech world could be warming up to Lightning. There is a growing and broad-based corporate tinkering with Lightning in particular right now. If they're adjacent to payments, they would ignore Lightning at their peril. Google Cloud operates under the umbrella of its parent company, Alphabet. The payments platform Google Pay boasts hundreds of millions of users in more than 15 countries. Since 2020, the investment arm of Google, Google Ventures, has shown a robust interest in blockchain and Web3 companies as well as Bitcoin. GV participated in a $6 million seed round for Voltage in 2021. For Calicott, the interest in such a big player in the crypto space could be a sign of growing momentum. I hate to over-index on any one particular corporation here, but just for me, like anything in life, when people put their money where their mouth is, it sends a very strong signal of where they're focusing. Krizik agreed, I think that this is really a big signal into enabling more Bitcoin-focused strategies amongst Google specifically, but also just larger organizations. Despite Apple striking off the lightning-friendly app Damas, much to the chagrin of the former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, lightning continues to gain traction among billion-dollar businesses worldwide. One of Mexico's largest companies has begun experimenting with lightning, while two major crypto exchanges, Binance and Coinbase, recently promised lightning integrations. Nonetheless, it's still early, and we've got to observe this as it grows, Calicott noted. Krizek, who's seen his fair share of Bitcoin's ups and downs, having participated in the Bitcoin space since 2012, underscored why the partnership is important. As we start to expose these organizations more so into Bitcoin and what is possible with it via Lightning, I think we've caught their attention already with the amount of interest and demand that we've had from this. He added that more services should be rolled out in the near future, complemented by efforts in Bitcoin education. So again, um, Bitcoin doesn't really care. Um, Lightning doesn't really care who uses it or why. But having a large corporation uh, in a partnership like this uh, is good for adoption. 
And uh, at the end of the day, Bitcoin, Nostr, Lightning is really privacy technology and uh, freedom technology. And so uh, anything that, uh, to me, that furthers adoption and awareness and, uh, and use is, is probably a good thing uh, when you add it all up. And then uh, next is some kind of interesting news that uh, broke this week. Uh, this is from Crypto Potato, and this was posted on July 7th. Lightning Labs unveils toolkit to enable AI transactions in Bitcoin. The hype surrounding artificial intelligence is taking multiple industries by storm. And the digital assets industry appears to be embracing, uh, to be readily embracing the tech. Lightning Labs has become the latest platform to tap the space. The team behind the Bitcoin Lightning Network announced the release of a new set of developer tools to enable the Lightning and AI developer communities to interact with Bitcoin seamlessly. According to the official blog post, the newly released toolkit assists AI applications such as OpenAI's ChatGPT to interact with the Bitcoin network to send, receive, and hold the crypto asset. Lightning Labs explained that the new tools are built on a Lightning native authentication mechanism, L402 protocol. It also uses a popular library called LangChain. The firm also highlighted the problem of rising deployment costs that serve as a barrier due to the current billing paradigm, a crucial aspect that Lightning and the L402 protocol seek to address. As such, leveraging the L402 protocol, any entity with an internet-connected device will be able to receive or acquire Bitcoin instantly. Owing to the Lightning Network, high-volume payments can also be carried out while retaining privacy. We're extremely excited about the new wave of innovation brought about by the latest wave of LLM models with the L402 protocol and LangChain Bitcoin. We're able to ensure the open models can be accessed using an open payment system connected to the world's set of open APIs. In the end, open source will win, and we're working to provide the tooling to enable greater accessibility to AI for humans and agents alike. Despite a slow start, Lightning Network has been increasingly embraced by crypto entities. The scaling solution witnessed tremendous growth as measured by the amount of Bitcoin locked within it. The latest data shows that there are now more than 5,400 Bitcoin on the Lightning Network. Binance recently announced that it would start running multiple Lightning nodes to leverage the Layer 2 scaling solution in a bid to enable cheaper Bitcoin deposits and withdrawals on its platform. So some people were freaking out about this, you know, like AI being able to transact in Bitcoin. Um, But I think a lot of that is just... uh, you know, maybe a little bit overdone. And um, this is, uh, again, I think great for adoption. And uh, this next piece I'm going to read gives you a little bit of insight over why AI AI would actually prefer this to, let's say, other sources of payments like, I don't know, banks that are closed on the weekend and after five and that sort of thing. So this last article, also from Cointelegraph, uh, entitled, and this is posted on July 7th, AI has potential to send Bitcoin price over $750,000. And this is uh, uh, according to Arthur Hayes. Uh, I read his blog. Um, he posts a blog every month, and he's uh, 
really funny and, and, and quite interesting um, follow if you're interested in him. I think he's on Medium. Uh, Bitcoin will be the currency of artificial intelligence and could reach a price per coin of $750,000 in the process, Arthur Hayes says. In his latest essay titled Massa, and there's actually a link here in the article, and I will post, as I always do, links to all the articles that I'm going over this week in the show notes. Uh, I think I also posted this on my uh, Twitter as well. There should be a link there for that. But uh, really good article. highly recommend it. The former BitMEX CEO concluded that the AI revolution would naturally gravitate towards Bitcoin. Despite fiat currency regimes being destined to become ever more dysfunctional in the future, Hayes said, there is one burgeoning economic sector that will only go from strength to strength, AI. While still nascent in 2023, the coming decades will see an explosion of AI-related implementations that will make it ubiquitous and unavoidable. Recent advancements in computing power have brought us to the cusp of a hockey stick moment in which AI will go viral and change the course of humanity virtually overnight, he wrote. In only two months, ChatGPT reached 100 million monthly active users, making it the fastest adopted technology in human history. So just imagine how quickly everything is going to change as AIs are integrated into everyday life and continue to learn and improve. When it comes to integration, the financial solution on the table, first and foremost, Hayes said, will not be a tailor-made AI-focused altcoin. It will be Bitcoin instead. The reason an accompanying theory states is that AI will view Bitcoin's inherent qualities an immutable fixed supply, digital scarcity, and its status as energy money as the logical choice. And AI is unlikely to allow itself to rely on anything that a human government operates. Therefore, only gold and Bitcoin are suitable. A tie between gold and Bitcoin, Hayes continued. Bitcoin is thus the logical currency choice for any AI. It is purely digital, censorship resistant, provably scarce, and its intrinsic value is completely electricity cost dependent. There is nothing in existence today that comes close to challenging Bitcoin in these aspects. Where would that leave Bitcoin's price? <clears throat> From around $30,000 today, the real effect of AI should kick in in around three years' time. After that, Hayes said it could be around another decade before the network value boost from AI alone says, sends Bitcoin US dollar to nearly a million dollars. I believe the peak of deranged growth investing will occur in the 25, 2025 to 2026 timeframe. Therefore, the goal of my predictions regarding the future price of Bitcoin is to form a narrative that takes hold before then, he explained. Depending on the scale of that investing, Bitcoin price action could see up to $760,000 per coin. Remember, the market will overpay for Bitcoin network growth if it believes there is a possibility that my assumptions could be true in the future. Part of Massa concludes, the most money is made when the market price adjusts from can never happen to maybe it could happen. Hayes is well known, well known for his bullish long-term perspective on Bitcoin, recently championing a million, million dollar price tag as a function of fiat currency disintegration. So a little bit of hopium to wrap up this week's news. Um, but he certainly makes some good points about about uh, you know AI really Bitcoin working better with AI than than just about anything else for for all the reasons that he enumerated. 
Okay, and then lastly, uh, please check out this week's post on Substack. I will include a link in the show notes. It is entitled 10 Lessons from Atlas Shrugged, a book I just finished reading. Thoughts on our times and how it all leads back to Bitcoin. Uh, so uh, hopefully you enjoy that. And thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. If you're not listening to the show on Fountain, you should be because you can earn sats for just for listening, uh, at least until the App Store cancels them. You can also follow my Substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. My handle there is at Nick Reichert. Uh, I'm also on Noster. Um, there's a my end pub is on my uh, Twitter profile if you look for that there. And that's it. I will talk to you all next week. Bye bye.